Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week we have the first two episodes of the Corsican Brothers. It's serialized, so it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Sorry to do that to you. It first aired in 1938. Corsican Brothers, based on the novel by Alexandre Dumas, written for radio by Eric Scott and a George Edwards production. Never did a novelist of his era captivate the public so completely as did Alexandre Dumas when he wrote The Corsican Brothers. In a matter of months after its publication, Several plays by different authors were written, produced, and were running in London and Paris, all based on this Dumas masterpiece. Certainly its theme is a fascinating one, that of twin brothers, one wild, untamed, sometimes cruel, the other gentle, intelligent, and kind. Both living in different environments, and yet, in spite of their contrasting natures, possessing between them a strange telepathic bond. Paris, during the reign of Louis-Philippe, the Paris that inspired Victor Hugo and George Sand to write, the Paris that was set to music by Frédéric Chopin and Franz Liszt. Paris may have been owned by genius such as this, but on this special night, Paris belongs to Louis Prévost. In the pretentious house in the Rue Gabali, he adjusts his cravat in the ornate mirror, and the handsome reflection that gazes back at him is aglow with excitement and expectation. As he struggles with the neckcloth, his lips repeat over and over again a certain name. Emily. Emily Latouche. Emily Latouche. Enter. Oh, it's you, Pierre. And I'm lost, Louis. No footman inside downstairs. Uh-huh. I knew I'd find you here, but I expected you to be ready. It's this cravat. It's the third one, Pierre. I keep creasing them. It's very unlike you, Louis, to worry about your cravats. Or about any part of your dress, for that matter. I want to look my best tonight, Pierre. I must. Not for the old Marquise, surely. Oh, she's so short-sighted that she wouldn't know even if you appeared in riding habit. No, it's not our hostess. But I learned only today, Pierre, that Mademoiselle Emilie Latouche will be at the reception with her aunt. Oh, so it's Emilie again. I'm beneath her notice. I know I am, Pierre. But I just can't get her out of my mind. I thought perhaps if we had even one dance... Listen, Louis. Why should you be beneath the notice of Emilie Latouche? Don't you realize that you're one of the eligibles of Paris at the present moment? She doesn't know I exist. Well, she ought to. After all, your uncle and aunt are counted among the rich. You're their only heir. I know half a dozen fond mamas who are chasing you at the present moment, just so that they can bring home a prize for their unmarried daughters. It's Emily I want. <laughs> but I know what it will be, Pierre. As soon as I arrive at the reception and go and look for Emily, the bow will be too deep around her. Louis... I've known you ever since you were a boy of 12. I'm nearly old enough to be your father. 
I know you're clever. I know you're intelligent, witty. You have a large circle of admirers. And I know that when the time comes for you to take over your uncle's estates, you'll be able to do so with merit. But there's one thing I can't understand. You... You haven't any strength of purpose. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, apparently you're desperately in love with Amelie Latouche. Why don't you take your courage in both hands and, and declare yourself? Oh, she'd laugh at me. There's Gustave always with her, and Francois, and René, and Paul, and Charles Devine. Oh? Just try it and see. If I but dared. If the opportunity comes, if we're alone for five minutes tonight, I will. But, oh, Pierre, I, I'm so happy just at the thought of seeing her again. Her lovely fair hair, her skin so smooth and so clear, and those eyes, blue like the Mediterranean. I'm happy just at the thought of seeing her in nearly Latouche. Louis Prevot has mentioned the blue of the Mediterranean, but he little realizes that on this same Mediterranean lies an island which is closely linked with his destiny. Corsica, with its wild, rugged mountains, tangle of green forests and yawning valleys and its turbulent streams. Corsica, land of the Vendetta. In the center of this mountainous isle, in a fortlight house in a small village set high up among the crags, another young man sits before a mirror. But this is no ornate gilt mirror. It is edged with plain deal. And this plainness is apparent throughout the sparsely furnished room. Stay. The reflection in this mirror. It is exactly the same as the reflection in the magnificent mirror in the Paris house. These two young men are identical, except that one is dressed as a man of fashion. This other is in the peasant costume of Corsica. His green cloth riding coat, his grey cloth trousers, his leather boots and spurs. He bears a different name. Lucien de Franchi. This young man is hurriedly buttoning his riding coat as a commanding grey-haired woman dressed in black hurries into the room. Hurry, Lucien, please hurry. I've been thinking. Wouldn't it be better if we waited another half hour? But Griffo said he would be back here for supper. He's three hours late, and you know what we heard. Oh, Griffo was able to take care of himself. That may be, but he can't match the cunning of the Gedici family. I tell you, Lucien, I heard for certain that several of the Gedici are passing through the mountains not 20 miles away, perhaps at this very moment. Oh, if only I knew where. I fear that if they came upon Griffo unawares, they'd kill him. But Griffo is not a de Franchi. Maybe not, but he's been one of our retainers all his life, and his father before him. They'd kill him for that. Oh, very well, Mother. I'll give him just a half hour more. Then I'll go up as far as the pass and see if I can find him. You be careful, my son. If the Gedici came across you unaware... I'd fight to the death. If only I knew where they were crossing the mountains. I'd avenge my father this very night. And your father's mother. And the other 25 who have fallen to the Gedici during the vendetta. It's a bitter thought for me, my son, to think that now we are the only two de Franchi left in existence. What's the matter with you tonight, my boy? Oh, nothing. You seem thoughtful, quiet. Usually, when we talk of the Gedici, your eyes blaze. You lose control of yourself. Why this change tonight? Oh, I don't know, Mother. 
There's a calm about me tonight, just as though... Well, tonight for the first time, I wonder why it is that we've gone on through the years. Our family and the vendetta against theirs. One generation after another. Until we almost forget what it was that started the feud. Luciana, you have never spoken like this before. Would you try to avoid your obligations? The honor of your family? Never. Haven't I sworn that? Oh, Mother, it's just that... Well, tonight there's a certain something in my heart. A lightness. Just as though something very wonderful was going to happen to me. It's one of those strange moods which beset you so often. So unaccountably. Uh, perhaps. No, but don't worry about Griffo. I feel he's quite safe. You've always been a strange boy, Lucien. These unaccountable moods of yours. A very strange boy. What are you doing here? I wanted to be alone. There's a, a lightness in my heart tonight. I feel that something very wonderful is going to happen. <laughs> Not if you sit in here by yourself. Go inside and dance a measure. I don't want to dance. What? With so many lovelies in attendance? I hadn't seen you all the evening. I was wondering what had happened. Did you see me? Yes, and what a vision. That blue dress. Some kind of blue. Mm -hmm. Celestial blue crepe with silver ribbons. And her hair, a myriad of loose curls, the ribbon too. Pierre, her card was full, not one dance for me, just as I told you. Then why are you so excited? I see no evidence of gloom. Gloom is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened. She took pity on me, Pierre. I explained that so many times have I asked her to dance, and so many times have her cards been full. And tonight, why, I don't know, but she's consented to meet me on the terrace after supper at midnight. Pierre, we shall be alone together for ten whole minutes. Congratulations. She was sorry her card was full. She said so, and I know she was. That's why she agreed to meet me. And during those ten minutes, I shall tell her everything that's in my heart. Oh, Pierre, I'm so happy, so excited. All I can think of is midnight, the terrace, a heart that has so wanted to unburden itself, and the moon, its full moon. <laughs> Oh, how still everything is outside. Look now, he's back. Griffo's back. Griffo? Riding along the track. You're staring out of the window, can't you see him? It's as clear as day in the bright moonlight. Oh, oh yes. Oh, at last. Oh, Griffo. Griffo, welcome home. So my fears were unfounded. You must have some sixth sense, Lucia. You were so unruffled, not at all worried about Griffo. Oh, I'm too happy to be worried. But why, my boy? Oh, I don't know, Mother. There's no reason at all, I suppose. And yet, perhaps it's the beauty of the full moon. Anyone would think you were in love. In love? Oh. With whom, might I ask? There's not a young pretty girl in this district. Ah. Come in, come in, Griffo. Oh, you don't know how glad my mother is to see you. Where have you been? What kept you? I was nosing up news. 
I served in the secret, madame. Lucien, I have amazing news for you. It will give you the opportunity for which you've been waiting for for years. What is your news? Quickly. I delayed because I heard that two of the Gedici family will be coming through the past tonight. The Gedici? Old Dino Gedici and his daughter Marianne reached the past at midnight. Midnight? Yes, Lucien. And with this full moon, with the light as clear as day, you'll be able to take your vengeance, ambush them, and shoot them both dead. This Marianne is the daughter who has sworn to wipe the Defunci family from the face of the earth. I've heard of her. The beauty of the Gedici family. She is more vindictive than all the rest put together, Lucian. My boy, this will be a superb vengeance for you. Midnight. Tonight. <laughs> Midnight is the hour of destiny for two men, two identical young men in this tale of love and hate. Why has Lucien been so light-hearted, so happy, with enemies so close? What will happen both in Paris and in Corsica in the lives of these two young men when the clock strikes midnight? Corsican Brothers, from the novel by Alexandre Dumas. In a story of twin brothers and a strange telepathic bond which lay between them, we find Louis Prevost, a fashionable young man of Paris, deeply in love with Amélie Latouche, a much sought-after young lady who has been frequenting the Parisian salon. He is delighted when she promises to meet him on a terrace at midnight. And he sits out every dance, waiting for the witching hour. Meanwhile, on the wild, rugged island of Corsica, another young man, Louis' counterpart in looks, has just been told by one of the, the retainers of his family, Griffo, that some of the hated Gedici are in the district. Lucien cannot understand why his heart, instead of being full of hate, sings with some unknown joy. Is this not wonderful news, Lucien? It was only by accident that I discovered what I did. You have a nose for secrets, Griffo. Ah, one of the peasants in the lower village gave me the clue. It seems that Dino Gadici and his daughter Marianne traveled to the coast to meet Dino's brother, who has lately come from Italy. Since they are bound for a Yatsu, they have to travel through the past. Wonderful. Wonderful, and with the full moon. Lucien, are you not listening? With the full moon, you and Griffo can ambush them with perfect safety and with confidence. Yes. I have never seen Marianne, but she is our worst enemy, Lucien. She is as beautiful as a Venus, I believe. It was she who swore openly that she would never rest until we were all dead. All of the Francis. By all, Mother. You mean your own self? And you. The only two left. 
Sometimes I wonder that the Dixie do not realize their wish. There are 29 of them, Lucien. 29 against two. Ah, but Lucien is worth 30 of them, madame. Has he not a name in Corsica? The finest shot, the most swift of foot, the best forester? Aye, Lucien is worth 30 Make of... sure that your musket bullet finds its mark tonight, my son. That is all I ask. And beware of Marianne. If Lucien is the best shot in Corsica, Marianne is surely the second best. I've heard she is more fierce than her brother. And when it comes to beauty... Beauty, which has helped to follow the ends of the Gadici right to the south. You say that the Gadici and his daughter will reach the pass at midnight? Aye, Lucien. They left the village on the other side of the mountains but an hour ago. If we're to ambush them, we, we must hasten straight away. Without any delay, Griffo. I'll belt my cartridge box and my gun on the instant. Oh, what a glorious night. Look outside now. The windows light up as though the sun were out there shining. Now, I won't keep you one moment. Watch, Lucien. Won't you, Griffo? He's strange tonight. Lucien, madame? Queer? Very strange. As a rule, when the Gedici are mentioned, he rages and the blood rushes to his head. But tonight there is something tranquil. Tranquil about him. You ask me to look to him? <laughs> Lucien will look to me, madame. Why, if half a dozen of the Gadici came with two that we meet tonight, yeah, he'd be equal to them. How much time is there left, madame? It is now half past ten. Hello? Louis, I thought I'd find you out here on the terrace. You're very unsociable tonight. You know the Marquise has been asking for you. She misses you on the floor. I can't tread a measure tonight, Pierre. I prefer to wait here on the terrace and think about what I'll say to Amelie when she comes. Are you sure that she'll be here? She promised. It gives me hope, Pierre. Why, why should she meet me out here, away from all the others? <laughs> You'd better watch that dour-faced aunt who's chaperoning her. She'll spoil it all. What I have to say to Amelie will not take long. I'm glad that it'll happen like this, Pierre. All these weeks, the secret has been locked up in my heart. Even if Amelia claps her hands to her ears and tries to agree to say no more, I'd at least have unburdened the heaviness which lies here. Half past ten. An hour and a half. Why not come and watch the dancing? Why don't you pay your respects to the Marquis? My thoughts are too far away. Out here with the lights of Paris in the distance, and a silver ribbon of the Seine in the moonlight. I feel I'm in Amelia's world. I shall wait until she comes. And so Louis Trevor waited in the brilliant moonlight for the lovely young girl whom he held above all others in the world. A girl who at this moment danced a measure in the gracious ballroom of the Marquis Santé. Sinashore of so many admiring eyes as she moved through the bejeweled gathering in her celestial blue crepe with the silver bands. Meanwhile, this same moon shone on the wild tangle of undergrowth which the Corsicans call the Marquis. A tangle which to the ordinary traveller seemed to be an impenetrable green mess. But which to Lucien de Franchi was a terrain of tracks and shortcuts and treacherous paths. 
through the black and silver spaces, underneath the green trees, he and the faithful Griffo urged their horses, sometimes dismounting where the ways were precipitous and steep, other times quickening the pace where the ground was smooth and with no obstacles such as stumps, boulders and rushing streams to obstruct their way. Lucien, his face serene, his head erect, suddenly turned to Griffo. Why am I so happy tonight? Sometimes, Lucien, it is said that the unaccountable moments of happiness sometimes bring great sadness. Your gun is loaded. <laughs> you are frightened that I might fail tonight? Uh, it would not be wise to underestimate the Gadici. Both Dino and his daughter are deadly shot. This daughter, Marianne. Have you seen her, Griffo? Once. Only once. It was fate day in Corte. Had she known it was I, had she known that she passed Griffo, who had served for so many years with the De Francis, <laughs> she'd have turned and stabbed me on the spot. Oh, that I'm sure. What was she doing in Corte? Well, it was the day of the festival. She and her father, one brother and two uncles all came along. Oh, there was one other. The man to whom she is betrothed. It will be a mourning for him. Do you realize, Griffo, that the Gadici have killed 18 of our women in the last hundred years? I have never killed a woman before. To kill her is to kill no woman, Lucian. She has the strength of a man, the fierceness of a beast, I've heard. Ah, oh, look, Lucian. There's the pass, all bathed in moonlight. And it's got a cloud in the sky. This night has been made for you, Lucien. A night that will make history for the De Francis. Oh, what a pity it should be like this. A moon that turns this world around us to silver. The deep purple of the past. The sparkling of those turbulent waters which flow through. And yet, we must kill. Kill. It is our destiny. It is the destiny of most Corsicans. Has not the vendetta raged from one end of Corsica to the other all through the years? We are a warlike people. Oh, yes, but for the first time I ask myself this question. Why have we made war one against the other instead of uniting and fighting those who come from outside? Outside is where I prefer to wait, mademoiselle. Here on the terrace. I did not see you in the ballroom at supper time. I looked among the crowd. You were nowhere to be seen. I would never have come out here except that your friend, Monsieur Godet, came to me. He told me you were waiting. You do not know what this means, just to be able to talk to you, mademoiselle. It was such an unusual request, monsieur. But why unusual? I hardly know you. Why, I don't think we've even danced together, have we? I know we haven't, mademoiselle. If we had, perhaps I would have been able to tell you during the dance. What I want to tell you now. What is it, monsieur? Mademoiselle, why have you refused to dance with me? Refused? But, monsieur, I have not refused you. It is just that, well, there are so many. That's right, so many. And I, among those many, am not to be noticed. I realize that. Who said I did not notice you, monsieur? You, you mean? I remember the first time we met. It was in the salon of the Duc de Carine. When we were presented, you spoke not at all. I was confused. Yes, I remember the night so well. 
I was confused because I'd seen you for the first time, mademoiselle. The lovely face, the flutter of your hands. My heart beat so rapidly, I could find no words. You seem to have no trouble now, monsieur. Emily, even though we hardly know each other, couldn't you guess what's in my heart? <laughs> I have known for a long time. You've known? Yes, I know the look so well, monsieur. You are not the only one. Once again, that cry. But amongst those who admire, you are one, perhaps, who may be favored, monsieur. Emily. Louis. You mean this? Oh, Emily, my love for you is something that I feel I cannot bear. It's torture to be away from you, ecstasy to be near you. I've waited for hours outside your house just to see you come out. I've stood in the rain at the opera when I've heard that you're attending. All these things I've done because of my love for you. I am flattered to and touched. Your face is so beautiful in the moonlight. So soft, like a pale blue mist. Like a beautiful pale blue mist. And your lips. My lips are yours. Oh, it strikes midnight. I, I should go indoors, monsieur. My aunt, if she sees me thus. It is midnight by the watch, Lucien. Eh? Are your thoughts miles away, monsieur? It is midnight by the watch. Yes. I think I heard it strike. Huh? Oh, does a watch strike midnight? Oh, you're dreaming. Dreaming? Oh, perhaps I was for a moment. I was in another world, a world of fancy and music and lovely buildings. Listen. Only one horse. I hear only one horse. Perhaps there's been an accident. Perhaps father and daughter ride together. If so, our task is easier, much easier. Soon that horse will come round the bend between the trees. If only one rides, Lucien, you must fire the shot for the honor of your family. There is one, one rider only, a woman. So this is Marianne Gadici. Quick, your finger on the trigger. She'll be on us, quick. If she sees us, the tigress will not hesitate. No, I cannot. Her face, her face, Griffith, like a pale blue mist, like a beautiful pale blue mist. The enchantment which has enslaved Louis Prevot has cast its spell on Lucien de Franchi. Will this cost him his life at the hands of Marianne Gadici? You will hear more of this strange enchantment which links the Corsican brothers. This radio program is a dramatization of Alexander Dumas' novella Corsican Brothers, written in 1844. The story is about a set of twins separated at birth and raised in completely different circumstances. Both thirst for revenge against the man who killed their parents, both fall in love with the same woman. They are unaware of each other, but are drawn inextricably into familial duty, with its blood ties and vendetta-based webs of treachery. 
The story is told in 52 serialized chapters, similar to the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Afloat with Henry Morgan programs. And by happy coincidence, you can buy the rest of the story on the comic web. The program is Australian and was produced by George Edwards. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.